Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Don't let a lot of time go by mm-hmm. without reaching out to those people because you never know. They may think of something where they might call on you or, or vice versa. You know, stay in touch with people. Um, don't just reach out when you need something. And, and it could be just, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you. I received a nice text this morning from some, a guest that I had on the show uh, about two years ago. And he said, hey, I'm just thinking about you don't need anything, just want to say hello. Those types of texts, those type of emails, I think go a long way. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 71. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Roger Brooks. Roger is a three-time best-selling author, podcaster, and personal development coach, specializing in helping people write their first book. In 2022, he'll be releasing his first work of fiction, a book that has taken him a decade to complete. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Natalie, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate no, it. It's my pleasure. And I, I, there are a number of things that you do that I also do. So I think we're going to have a great conversation about a lot of common interests and shared values and all. I'm an author too. Haven't touched fiction yet. Haven't touched fiction yet. I'm all about nonfiction, coaching, productivity, all that good stuff. Um, so I'd love to hear about what brought you into that space. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious, you know, because- because you have a passion for books. It's very clear. You, you do it yourself. You help other people do it as well. So I'm curious, where does the passion come from for you? And, and why do you think, you know, I remember, I guess at this point, it was probably about three years ago, I went to Chicago for a, an author's event. There's a, a local publisher that, uh, that really sponsored the event. And one of the speakers talked about how you might think that in the digital age, that books are sort of passe, and old school and, and all of that. But she was saying perhaps more than ever, it was experiencing somewhat of a, of, of, of a return and that even you know, eBooks and whatnot are not nearly the experience of, of a book. So I'd love to hear all about what it is about books that moves you, that excites you and how you help other people. Sure, no. So uh, I have to go back to my youth and I think we all have our, our talents per se. I, I was one of those kids that, uh, I really enjoyed enjoyed sports growing up. Um, had a lot of friends. Uh, did a lot of activities. Um, but one thing that that stood out for me is that writing seemed to be my greatest talent, if you mm. will. So I, I wasn't great in math. I wasn't great in science. Um, but writing, I it was something that I just uh, was attracted to, and I was able to do. And my you know teachers from different levels. Uh, was able to see that in me. And I had several that encouraged me to continue to write and even extend it to poetry. For some reason, I had this knack for poetry in being able to write poems. And a couple of them went on to, um, you know, these different high school poetry showcases that, that, that won awards. So I knew there was something there. Um, I did not go to school uh, uh, for that afterwards. I just you know, got into the business world and started mm-hmm. doing my business thing, but always had this passion for writing um, deep down. My aunt, 
uh, who has since passed uh, several years ago, she was a writer mm-hmm. and she was someone who encouraged me from a very young age to write. And I, I think that played a role as well. Just having a you know family figure, someone who was uh, very well respected in the family, someone who was a writer herself, she encouraged me. And as a matter of fact, my mother found a postcard recently from her to me uh, stating that, you know, to keep up the, mm-hmm. the writing. And she says, I know someday you're going to write a book of fiction. Mm. Now I had never even thought about fiction, you know, especially at that young age, but, you know, I, I, I just, um, you know, as my business career went on, I, I wrote articles for trade magazines um, as social media started, you know, I began to take part in that. And then in uh, about 2008, I went to a conference, uh, a sales conference from this gentleman, Jeffrey Gittimer, who is a well-known writer for sales folks. And he wrote this book called The Little Red Book of Selling. And he did the sales boot camp. And in the boot camp, there's probably 300 people. There it was a very large group. He said, look, in sales, if you want to turn the table, so to speak, where people start to call you mm-hmm. versus you calling them, which everyone wants, um, which everyone wants, the best thing you could do is write. You mm-hmm. could write for your local chamber. You could mm-hmm. write for your local business journal or regional business journals. Um, you can write a book. So, and that's so that, true. It really it is. is. It's so true. And that really clicked with me. So I took that to heart and I didn't really have any experience writing a book. Um, this is, you know, this is going back a ways now. So we didn't, obviously we had the internet, but it wasn't uh, as easy to, to navigate things as it is today. Sure. So I, I just figured out my own process and I wrote nice. my first book and it got published by Entrepreneur Press, which is um, uh, the sister company of Entrepreneur Magazine. Mm-hmm. And it did very well. They got it in all the Barnes and Noble stores across the country. So for my first book, um, it started out, you know, on a, on a very big high for me because uh, I didn't know, you know, what to anticipate, what to expect. And then from there, cool, yeah, yeah. So when people are coming to you to have their books written, I'm just curious: is it more personal memoirs? Is it business hacks and advice? What what are people? looking to put out there and why do they, what, what's their why? Like, for example, for me, my book, which I'm just going to pop up here for a second, Becoming the New Boss, right? Oh, so it's a, book, it, it's a book, thank you. It's a book that I developed, you know, as, as a memoir in a sense of my experience as a school leader and what I wanted new leaders to avoid. So here are all the mistakes I made. Don't make the same. It's the book in effect I wanted, I wish I would have had at the beginning of my journey that would have, you know, short circuited or short shortcut some of the issues, gotten me the experience rapidly without necessarily making all the mistakes along the way. Um, and that became my purpose. I wrote about it in micro segments called blogs, and I constantly put the content out there until I sort of brought it all together. So it was like blogs first, book second. But I'm curious to know why other people are writing their books, what's their motivation, and how has it helped them? Sure. No, great question. And I typically start off every conversation with a discovery call because the most important thing for me is, number one, the person has to understand why they're writing their book. You mentioned mm-hmm. it. What's your why? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why are you doing this? Who is your audience? You know, what is the true purpose behind it? Um, you know, and then really 
making sure that they're ready. A lot of people think they're ready to write a book, yeah. but um, it's hard work. It's hard work. It's a commitment. Um, it is in my process, which is really to write a little bit every day versus, you know, trying to take on this overwhelming project. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Write one to two pages a day, 30 to 45 minutes a day, nothing too overwhelming. I encourage people to do it first thing in the morning before they start their busy day, get up early. You know, people say, I don't have time. Well, you do yep. have time if, if, if you get up a little earlier. So that's kind of my method. Um, but it's really important that the people I work with, and I'm, I'm, you know, at the point now where I have to be extremely selective about taking on clients because I want to make sure that I'm serving them the best I can. Sure. Um, and, and that means they have to be ready. They have to be willing to make that commitment to go, you know, the duration. I put 12 weeks on there. There's no magic number to that other than for your first book. You know, if, if you could kind of visualize a 10 chapter book, about 15 pages a chapter, 150 page book, it's doable in 12 weeks if you stay focused. And what, what kinds of books for the most part are people coming to you for? It's all over the board. So again, my method, um, I'm not the expert. The author is the expert. Yep. So, so my method is really to help them organize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've, I've helped people with real estate books, um, memoirs, um, you know, uh, for fundraising, um, uh, personal growth and development. So it's, it's kind of all over the board, tend to stick to, to nonfiction because mm-hmm. especially for the first book. Um, and, and I've, I've worked with students and I've worked with doctors. So nice. it just goes to show that, um, it's not that I'm any smarter than anyone, or especially, you know, you talk about the doctors, they're yep. a lot uh, smarter than me. It's just understanding the process. Yep. And once you could get your, your head around that, then it's really the consistency of putting in the work, getting it done um, a little bit every day. And then we meet weekly on, uh, on Zoom calls in order to face any challenges that they may have sure. um, during the week with their writing and talk about what's up and coming but we really focus in on that outline for the first couple of weeks to make sure that that's, that's flushed out because like you, most people have several books in their mind. Yeah. So they may I mean, say, like coaching. right, right. Like I don't coaching. know. You have I... accountability, you have goals, you've got exactly frameworks. Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah, there's a and then lot I there. put myself, um, you know, as the, as the reader, you know, and I really get into their books because I want to poke holes and ask questions. And if there's not enough information in a certain area, ask them to expand that. And so by the time they get it to an editor, which I don't do the editing, I I have them go to a professional editor, then it's really in a good place for editing to get, get the final stages done. Microlining and whatnot. Yeah. Cool. So I want to, I want to talk about another thing you do where you're interfacing with a lot of people and some really cool people actually. And that's your work with American real. You are, I don't know if you call it a podcast, you call it a, a show, um, but conversations that you're having with people who have been very successful. I know you, you talked to Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, and, 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 and others as well. Um, some people, frankly, that I'd love to get on this show one of these days. Um, so, so tell me about how you got into that, because, I mean, your background, from what I've seen, I, I don't know you so well, uh, but you're, you're kind of like a you know, biz dev expert. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, you're sort of doing this, this book stuff off to the side, you've got American real. So maybe we'll piece it all together later, but for now, I'm curious to know how you got into that 
And, uh, and, and I'm curious to know specifically um, how you've managed to get so many really successful people to spend some time with you, to talk to you, and of course, to share their wisdom. Sure. So really, it, it is, even though it sounds um, like some of these things are very far apart, they're really all connected, at least in my mind. So for me, I've always been fascinated in, in people and people's stories. Going mm-hmm. way back to when I was a, growing up as a child, I grew up in a Slovak neighborhood, although we're not Slovak. Um, uh, it was one of these neighborhoods where, especially in the summertime, there were a lot of uh, the elderly had their gardens and people would sit on their front porch uh, mm-hmm. in, in the summer evenings. And we had a, a park across the street. So there was you know, a lot of activity and people playing softball there and, and whatnot in the swimming pool. So um, my upbringing was pretty diverse in that I had contact with, with elderly folks that I would have conversations as well as my you know, younger friends and all in between. So since I was young, I was fascinated. Like you came here from Czechoslovakia. What was that like? You know, what year was that? What was it like over there versus here? So I was always pretty inquisitive from that standpoint. And then uh, again, as I, as I got older and and went into my work career, just from a, um, a business development standpoint, it's all about relationships. So really getting to understand a person and not seeing them as a transaction, but seeing them as how can I help you? How could I serve you? You know, what, what are your needs that we could potentially help you with or fill uh, that void? So that was part of, of what I did. So, you know, how did I get into American Real? I, I, I had been watching uh, uh, and listening to a lot of podcasts, video and audio podcasts. London Real was something that I was um, uh, turned on to by a couple of, of friends of mine. And uh, a group of guys uh, sat down one evening uh, and we're trying to talk about what can we do to just help advance our, our society and you know, do something positive. And someone threw out the idea of let's start a podcast. Well, that group of 12 went down to like three people. And, um, and then I ended up taking on the, 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 the work itself and said, I, I really want to do this. I want to build a show like London Real. And, and that's what I did. And coincidentally, just as I was getting ready to um, launch the, the podcast, uh, within weeks, I had been preparing for it for quite a while, but within weeks of launching it, um, I received an email from Brian Rose, who's the founder of London Real. And he said that he's going to be launching an eight-week program to help people learn how to become a podcaster. And this is going back about four years ago, so it wasn't as popular as it is today. That's a lot. I would say um, there's a lot more tools today to, to get up and running easier. So I went all in on this on this program, this eight week program, and I studied hard and I you know took in all the information, and I launched as American Real because Brian Rose has this um, offer that if you go through his program, you can use that real brand and name it what you wish. He didn't want me to name it American Real. He says, you know, I'd prefer that you keep a city, but uh, New York Real was taken where I I live in the state of New York. So I asked him, I said, I want to, you know, I want to go big with this. And and he agreed to it. So that's how it all came to be. Um, I got to interview him in London back in 2017. And that really prospered my podcasting um, network and, and career, if you will, to say, okay, um, you know, this person is doing it on a larger scale and that's what I wanted to do. And, and that's how it 
uh, really got started and I was able to open doors, you know, I, I feel because of that, because of the high quality content we were putting out, uh, because it was a video podcast versus uh, simply an audio. And we, we take our set on the road. Um, I have a set that um, it's been to LA, it's been to Florida, it's been to New York City, I was it's ask been you, to Toronto. I've seen the background and I couldn't imagine <laughs> yes. all of them coming up to, uh, to Binghamton. No, 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 no. So I wanted to make it easy for people to say yes. Uh-huh. And that's how I was able to get, say, Ed Milet. I went out to L.A. and he said, come on down, come to my house sure. you know, in Laguna Beach and and we'll yeah. do it and we'll do it there. So must have been really, really painful having a shl- to go to Laguna Beach of all places. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was yeah. Awful. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of winter of all times. I'm that's sure. right. Yeah. Anyway, now you said so much there. And I, I just want to drill down a little bit more because this is a leadership podcast. And so as, as important as it is for me to you know connect with my with my guests and to understand your stories and all of that. I always want to be mindful of what's the leadership takeaway. And I think there are a bunch here. Um, One of them is the idea of stories, because I feel like oftentimes leaders, um, hopefully, hopefully get really good at what they do on a day-to-day basis. They understand the technical sides of their business or their organization. Hopefully they're also developing their soft skills and their capacity to connect with people. And one of the great ways by which to do that is through stories. Now, a lot of us don't think of ourselves as public speakers, as storytellers, as people who are necessarily gifted orators or communicators, but I don't necessarily find personally that a good story needs to have all the bells and whistles to, be, to penetrate and to make an impact. And I'm curious to get your take on the role of stories, how much you think, Roger, that storytelling can play, what kind of role it could play for leaders and why it might be important for leaders to think about integrating stories, not only for motivation, but just for connection. Look, I think it's the most important thing that we could do. People relate to stories. It's just a fact. So if you're going into, whether it's a presentation to a small group or a large group, I mean, we all hear about these things. You have to connect with the audience in some way. And you don't, necessarily, it's not something you could study for, but you have to practice it, right? So just doing this podcast is good for me because I'm aware of my words. I'm aware of, I don't want to do the ums, the ahs, the, sure. you know, the little things that make communication better. And the more you do something like anything, the better you get. So if you could somehow find a way to integrate stories and put a little bit of, of humor in there, um, make also it's okay to be serious Mm-hmm. And mix it up so that you could have a connection with that audience. So hopefully they take away something from that, that they remember about you, about the emotion of you versus sure. just the words that you're saying. Oh, I um, love people. The, yeah. The emotional piece. That's great. Right. Uh, people may not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. I mean, mm-hmm. we hear that quote often said in different sure. ways. So, and, and it's so true. Like, I feel right now, you know, we're having a great conversation. There's an emotional connection. You're thoughtful yep. about your questions. You're listening. You're, you're tuning in. So if we could do that in every interaction that we have with whoever it is, whether it's our family, our friends, our coworkers, or our prospects, um, from a leadership standpoint, yeah. I think the most important thing is, is to connect and be genuine about it. Don't, you know, have all these other things happening in the back of your mind when you're sure. talking to someone stay focused and be attentive and be present. Yeah. It's so interesting because literally 
a few minutes before we got on this call, I actually guessed it on somebody else's podcast. And, and it was, you know, I was, I'm the guest, so I'm supposedly the expert and I'm sharing my wisdom on what I do coaching and specifically with a focus on productivity and trying to avoid distractibility and trying to really laser in on the things that are most important. And as I was discussing it with my, with my host, I said to him, you know, one of the things we need to do for productivity is to, is to block our time. Because when I, when I block my time, I mentally lock into what I need to do. Everything else gets put to the side with this other priority as my focus. And I put my, I set my phone to do not disturb. I I clear out my schedule. So I'm really locked into what needs to happen. I said, I'm on this podcast right now, referring to the previous one. I said, my phone is not buzzing. I've removed alerts from my, from my PC. And I'm really, I'm really locked in and talking with you. And the more we can do that on a day-to-day basis, if we could imagine, I know it's hard to do, certainly over time, but if you could imagine every conversation is being recorded and is going to be publicized or published, if you imagine that every conversation or interaction may have implications that are way beyond what we typically would imagine, the likelihood is that we will be more focused, engaged, and ultimately more productive and successful with it. So, so I love that. I love the idea of relationships and connection. And, um, and, and one other thing that you, you sort of mentioned, Roger, in passing about connecting with, with big people, with important people. And of course, that was the outgrowth of developing your podcast. So, you know, I, I think that when we find opportunities to develop our networks, not necessarily with a, with a particular end goal in mind, you know, I might reach out to someone because I want them on my podcast, but hopefully just to reach out to people who are good at what they do, who are well-connected, well-networked, and ultimately could be a value to you and you of them, but always seeking to surround yourself with more and more high-quality, high-performing people. I think that, that's, that there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I'm, and I'm curious to know if there's anything you wanted to say to elaborate there. Yeah, 100%. And uh, you mentioned Ed Milet, and that was one of the things I talked to him about. Is I said, Ed, you know, you're with all these amazing people. Yeah. You know? And I think the question I asked him was, are you intentionally trying to elevate your peer group? Mm-hmm. And he thought about it and he says, well, he says, what I'm actually doing, he says, is I'm not trying to elevate people, like the people that I'm with, with but what I'm trying to do is challenge myself to strive for a higher level. So if I'm, you know, connecting with um, a David Meltzer or a, an Evan Carmichael or um, a, a, an Ed Milet, for me personally, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm trying to say, oh, you know, I, I hang out with these guys. These are my friends. No, it's to have a conversation that hopefully it's something I could learn from. They are now part of my network yep. where, yes, I have that connection with them. Um, and, and this is also important, I think, from a leadership standpoint. Don't let a lot of time go by mm-hmm. without reaching out to those people because you never know. They may think of something where they might call on you or, or vice versa. You know, stay in touch with people. Um, don't just reach out when you need something. And, and it could be just, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you. I received a nice text this morning from some, a guest that I had on the show uh, about two years ago. And he said, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Don't need anything. Just wanted to say hello. Those types of texts, those type of emails, I think go a long way. So we can't forget about that as well. Sure. So let's bring it down again, so to speak, to the day-to-day work. I don't want to say to the masses, 
because everyone who's listening on the show is, is, is special and, 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 and super creative and productive in their own ways. But not everybody is necessarily looking to connect with what we might call A-level guests. You know, they're not having those kinds of conversations. They're running their businesses. You obviously have a business that you run as well. Business development is a key part of what you do. And relationships are the core um, in many ways of successful business development. So what would you tell regular folks, so to speak, who are just looking to expand their networks and um, develop more meaningful relationships? You know, I had Ivan Meisner on my on my podcast sometime back from BNI, and he had some really great tools and, and tips about how to utilize networking environments. Um, not everybody loves a networking environment in, in, in a in a COVID world where we're more virtual than ever before, uh, it's not as easy, you know, to have that type of um, situation where you have so many people at your at your disposal. What would you tell people who are trying to get their work done, but can be doing on a regular basis to be nurturing relationships that creates the possibility for future connections and, and maybe business opportunity down the road? Yeah, it's really something you talked about earlier, and um, I learned this from David Meltzer. It's okay. called filling filling the white space of your calendar. Mm-hmm. So none of us are booked, you know, solid typically, you know, from whatever eight a.m. to six p.m. There's always some time in between. So to your point earlier, absolutely fill space on your calendar for a couple of things. Number one, to reach out to existing clients. So similar to what we just talked about with the podcasting. Um, people that have been on the podcast or an existing client. Don't let too much time go on before you reach out to them because in a conversation, if you're top of mind and they say, hey, you know, I was, I meant to call you. Um, I have this uh, friend or, or another, you know, um, a client that could use your services. So, and, and that shouldn't be the reason you reach out, but those types of things happen when you do reach out. Sure. So definitely set, a time, set, set aside time to reach out to existing clients and then for, for prospecting and networking, um, for me, I can't say enough for, for myself and, and the teams that I work with that it is so important to be out there, uh, to be in, and whether it's virtual or in person, it, people forget so easily. And not only do they forget average folks, they forget celebrities. Like if you haven't heard from a celebrity in a while, it's like, oh, or or or. or musician, where have they been for the last two years? Sure. You know, we easily forget. So we have to stay top of mind and there's all kinds of tools to be able to do that. But I think the most important thing is to set time aside in your calendar, to be intentional about it and, you know, to attend the events, to make the phone calls, to get warm introductions wherever you can. You know, if if you're, if you're part of a, a business within your area, really try to connect with your chamber to see if they could help make some warm introductions to people that you might want to connect with. It doesn't always have to be a cold call. Right. Um, look at LinkedIn, look at who the network is and see if you know someone that knows that person. So it's putting in the work, you know, nothing in life I found, um, at least to date, and I'll be 52 soon, uh, comes easy. We sure. have to put in the work, but we have to keep challenging ourselves to get better at what we do and to take on more. Yeah, um, that's I love one it. thing that, that I'm really big on. Okay. So I, you know, I'm, I'm doing a podcast, you know, um, I am writing books. I'm helping people write books. Um, you know, people call with new opportunities. I continue to take on more because I want that challenge of being pushed because we're capable of so much. Yeah. Stop watching TV, 
stop wasting time on this. Definitely spend time with your family. Sure. But there's, there's other things that we're doing in our day that um, are, are, you know, somewhat unnecessary. Of course, we need downtime. We need unwind yeah. time and all that. But for the most part, we as humans can really elevate ourselves daily to do better today than we did yesterday, weekly sure. to do better this week than I did last week, monthly, yearly, it goes on and on and on. So really take that to heart. It's, it's so interesting because actually one of the things I work with my clients on a lot, Roger, is scaling through things like delegation, like the ability to, to leverage totally. your knowledge, your wisdom, empower other people, and then have others work on the things that you don't necessarily need to be doing. In fact, many, many cases you should not be doing. So I would imagine that plugs into your system as well, because as you are becoming more efficient at guiding people's book writing processes or whatever those items are, you could then potentially at least bring people underneath you to guide them in more of the day-to-day while you are uh, prospecting, while you're working on the business, while you're leveraging your abilities and your connections for higher um, visible for, for high visible guests that will ultimately draw more attention. It's all, it all interconnects in funny ways. I don't think there's any specific formula. Maybe there is, but I'm not familiar with it that necessarily puts it all together. But I think if you're intentional, if you show up regularly, if you make contributions, you show a genuine interest in others and you're willing to make those connections. I think for the most part, people will reciprocate. And then 100%. once they do, and as you start to get the workflow, you can, you could be a value to them. But I, you know, I run mastermind groups right now. I envision a day in the not too distant future, I hope, where I'll have so much demand for that, for that type of work that I will be bringing in some very highly talented facilitator types. And I might still have a role, not only in onboarding the groups, but also maybe in certain, let's call it convenings of sorts, where the opening session or certain sessions in the middle, I might run, but not necessarily to be the person running every single session in all the different groups. So it's all part of getting good at what you do and then, and then finding a way by which to not turnkey, but to make it more uh, scalable. 100%. And I would say, you know, just to add on to that a little bit, that don't forget about uh, collaboration and partnerships. So uh, I interviewed David Breyer on my podcast a year and a half ago. It was a great interview. And then we had a nice conversation afterwards. And today we're business partners on a venture. So it's his masterclass. But um, myself and my team, we have the tools to, to make a, a program like that run you know, efficiently so he could focus on it. He didn't have those tools. So don't be afraid to look at, um, at, at some of your contacts for potential partnerships where you never know that where that will lead. David and I are now going into our fourth um, masterclass program together. Again, he runs it, but to your point about delegation, I have folks that, that handle all the onboarding, um, you know, the sales calls, all that is, is done. And, um, and, and think about this, you're giving people an opportunity when you delegate, mm-hmm. opportunity to grow, opportunity for, for them to make some additional money or it might be their li- livelihood. You know, sure. we employ people in, in Thailand. Mm-hmm. I love that. The fact mm-hmm. that we're sending our hard-earned dollars to Thailand so someone could eat that week or buy their child a gift. There's no greater joy than that. So I think we have to think about that kind of thing sure. as we're making these decisions. That's really cool. And what a great way to segue into what I call the rapid fire segment. 
in this case, Roger, the, the, the prompts could expand into a very lengthy conversation, but we have to keep it nice and tight. And I'm going to begin by asking you for a quote that you live by or refer to often. Yes. So um, I love this quote. It, was, it actually came from someone I interviewed who happened to be a Catholic priest. Um, he spends his time in Su South Sudan. That's, he's, a, he's a missionary there. And he said this, and I just love this quote. This was about three and a half years ago. That's from Martin Luther King Jr. The most urgent question in life is, what can you do for others? So if, wow. we're, if we're always thinking about others and take the focus and the importance off of ourself, everything falls into place. So if a priest who volunteers his, not volunteer, he obviously earns a living, you know, but, but he's basically sacrificing his life to help people in South Sudan. And that's the quote he lives by. That's something I took to heart. And I think about that very often. I have it on my whiteboard in my office and, and at home. And it's just something that if, if we think about what we could do for others all the time, it comes back tenfold. Yeah. I know I can see that you, you wear that quote very deeply. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So I'm also a podcaster. So I'm curious to know, what is your favorite question to ask your guests? Well, it's the last question I ask. And, it, and it's, again, it's all about story and legacy. I ask people at the end of the day, you know, we don't want you leaving this life anytime soon, but you have a lot of life to live. What do you want your legacy to be? Mm. People get choked up. They get sure. caught off guard or they, they, they'll spit it right out because they, 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 they're thinking about it. Um, you know, I, I try to catch them off guard a little bit because I want to know what their natural response is. And boy, do I have some really good responses from people on that one. Cool. And my last one for you. Uh, since I'm very focused on productivity, uh, a productivity tip that you can share that's going to help people get more done. Wake up early. Just do it. Four, four thirty, five o'clock. I mean, do not go past five o'clock. That's my model. You may have to go to bed earlier. Yeah. Wake up early. You could get more done between four and eight. I can anyway. I've been doing a, a, a while then sometimes the whole day wake Sound, up early sounds like the old army commercials <laughs> what was that we get more done before 6 a.m than most that's right do all day all day exactly all right. so so with that roger i'm going to ask you please to tell everyone who's listening entirely to succeed nation how they can get more of what it is that you offer learn more about you connect with you and of course benefit from your wisdom and your connections I appreciate it. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I think LinkedIn is the best place to reach me, Roger Brooks on LinkedIn. Uh, we do have a web website for American Real. It's AmericanReal.tv. You could reach me at my email, Roger. R-E-A-L, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Roger at AmericanReal.tv, R-E-A-L. And Beautiful. thank you so much for having me. No, my pleasure. And so, but I'm not going to let you go yet. Okay. Uh, you have to share one final life lesson, please. I'm not going to ask you for your legacy, although you can talk <laughs> about legacy if you want. One lesson that's going to really um, close our session uh, with the greatest impact. I would say, oh, man, you see, you caught me off guard, which is good. This is what I do to people. Um, be honest. 
I think wherever your interaction is, work, home, friends, doesn't matter. Life lesson, you cannot beat honesty, even if the truth hurts, even if you have to say no sometimes. Just be honest with people. They'll respect you more. It took me a lot longer in life to learn that for myself. You know, we all hear about the white lies because we're trying to protect ourselves or others. It's better to be straightforward. It's better to be honest. That's the life lesson that I would leave. Beautiful. And people can tell. At the end of the day, people know. Somehow we have a sense. Anyway, Roger, I'm sure we could talk for much longer. There's been so much that I've gained, and I know that everyone listening is going to really take to heart um, the strategies, the tips, but most importantly, the the purpose, the mission, and the, I guess, the the genuine um, interest you have in, in people's success from this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to sharing it soon, and uh, you should have much continued success in all you do. Thank you and best of luck to you. And I'm so happy that we connected. Likewise. Bye-bye now. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 